and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. This is Brother Frank back with the Remnant Call for another exciting episode. Glad you all are here with me tonight. And uh, it's been another week, and we are just that much closer to the return of Jesus Christ. He is coming back soon, and I'll tell you what, folks. He is waking up the body of believers. He is he's rising up, raising up his remnant because there is a work for us to do. And I want to start out with this program was just saying a special uh, just a blessing and thanks to God. I mean, just for everything he has done. Last week, if you were listening in when Brother Benjamin was uh, on, on the Take Heed was the program, everyone. Uh, and we had a caller at the end, Brother David. And I was so excited because right before this show started tonight, uh, I got just a wonderful comment on their Facebook from David. He just said, hey, just to let you know, brother, I got baptized earlier this week. I want to thank you for these episodes and all the work you do for Christ. I'll tell you, folks, this is why we exist, to bring people to know the Savior. And David was searching. He went out and he decided to commit everything to the Lord. I want to say praise God. David, brother, God bless you and keep you in this walk. And I'm so thankful to see that you went down into the waters of baptism to surrender your life to him. And may your journey just be blessed with peace, and may the God of all creation just surround you with his love and mercy. Folks, I'll tell you right now, if you're wondering, if you're suffering, if, if you haven't led anybody to Jesus, then, then you don't know what you're missing. Because there's nothing sweeter than when you've worked with a person, when you've studied with them, when you've shared with them, and then you see them surrender their life unto the Lord. That's what makes life as a believer worth living. Because the gift God has given us, he wants us to give to other people. And so I just want to say thank you, God. Thank you so much for David uh, giving his life over to you. And I just wanted to start with that praise to the Lord. Well, tonight we have a uh, brother Benjamin is back again because I'll tell you what, this week we are coming up this Friday night starting at sundown on the Day of Atonement. And brother Benjamin is going to share some stuff with that tonight and, and kind of a uh, help us to understand why it is important to understand the Day of Atonement. Uh, some people believe that stuff, that's just the Old Testament. Don't worry about it. Folks, the Day of Atonement is important, and there's a lot God has to say about it. We're going to talk about that this evening. And before I bring Brother Benjamin on, which I'm going to in a minute, I want to share something from a dear listener of ours, um, Sister Susan. She's a faithful servant of the Lord, prays for us all the time. Um, she shared a, a dream she had the other day, and I want to share this with you folks. Now, you know, when someone shares something, it's not your job to just accept it. You need to take this to prayer uh, in the Lord, and, and then God, ask him to confirm it. You know, out of the mouth of two or more witnesses shall all uh, things be confirmed. So I just want to share this with you. Uh, 
It's very simple. This is what she said. On the morning of September 7th, 2017, I was traveling in prayer about Hurricane Irma and the state of the world. Begging God for mercy, I have been praying for a while and was afraid I would not hear his voice because I was longing to hear his voice. Then he said, calm down. You will hear me. There is none like me, the great I am. I control all things. It is I. Be still. I will fight for you. I asked God to touch people's hearts to wake them up. He said, I'm trying. They must wake up on their own. I shake the earth. My fury is upon them that call evil good and good evil. Wrath is mine. Vengeance is mine. They must awaken to my words. Folks, I don't know about you, but God is trying to wake up his people. Well, it continues on. I asked the Lord about reading the Bible. I got overwhelmed at where to start. He said, wherever you open, that is where you start. There is no more time. My judgment is upon the land. Repent and turn to me. God of your, of your fathers, God of Abraham, I was in the beginning. Child, speak my words. Life was given that others took away. I did not ordain this. Tell them I am coming soon. It is written in my word. Take this message. Folks, God is calling us to proclaim that Jesus is coming again. This second coming, it's nothing to be played with. And, and folks, I know the Lord's coming, but there's going to be some stuff happening first, and it is going to be scary unless you are under his wings. Well, folks, I want to share that with you, to, to, to take it to prayer and, and to ask God, what can I do, Lord, for you in this moment? You've been praying a lot of times so often, Lord, I need this, and Lord, I need that. Why don't you ask God what he would have you to do? Change it up for a moment. Instead of always telling him what you need, why don't you ask him what he would like for you to do? Well, I won't delay any longer. I'm going to bring on Brother Benjamin here with us tonight to share uh, some good news about what's going on the Day of Atonement. And I'll tell you what, it seems like every week something else radical has changed. Brother Benjamin, are you here with us? Hello, Frank. Brother, glad to have you on. Hallelujah. Amen, brother. Isn't that exciting about David giving his life over to the Lord that called in last week? It's a blessing that we are bearing some fruit with our mouth. Hallelujah. Small little labors for the kingdom. Praise God. Amen. Oh, absolutely. Well, Benjamin, I know you've got... You think maybe you're not accomplishing much, but the Lord doesn't need much. He, He just needs the little that is consecrated to him, and the Holy Spirit takes it from there. And it's God that brings the growth. God brings the life. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Thank you, Father in Heaven, for that. Thank you so much. Um, Benjamin, I know that you have uh, got a message for us tonight, something that's been on your heart. We're coming up on the Day of Atonement, and uh, this is kind of an important time of the year. It's clearly... <laughs> Yeah, this would be the most important time of the year if you view things from a biblical perspective. Uh, the Day of Atonement is, is actually the holiest day of the year. <clears throat> if you want to um, place any, any significance to the holy days of the Lord. You know, some Gentiles you know, think the modern Christianity sort of replaced Israel and you know, Christmas and Easter have replaced the biblical holy days. Um, you, you know, they can keep their Easter bunny and and their Christmas traditions, which really came out of paganism. And um, I know the remnant wants to keep 
the holy days of the Lord. And, you know, praise God, they are actually for eternity. And what that means is we're going to observe the holy days in some fashion uh, in the kingdom to come. And I'm sure they will be a source of tremendous revelation and and tremendous elation and, and joy among the sons and daughters of God as our Father reveals to us the tremendous mysteries of his eternal purpose and our salvation in Jesus Christ, his Son. And, you know, from that perspective, the holy days are, are truly exciting. And, you know, those of us that are on that page, we look forward to, to this time. And right now we're in what's called the Ten Days of Awe. But, brother, before we go any further, would you open us with prayer? Father, in the name above all names, Jesus, Yeshua, the Savior of the world, the one who said that while we were yet sinners, he came and died for us. The one that never gives up, the one that labors daily for his children, the one that rescues those that are in need, the one that has given everything so that we could be with him for an eternity. Father, I give you thanks for that. And I just want to say, Lord, I pray in his name that you will do something powerful on tonight's program that you would touch the the people, that you would release the captives, those that are struggling, that you would set them free and help us all to understand that this is an hour of breakthrough. There is testing, there is trouble, but there is spiritual breakthrough for the people. Lord, just because we've got trials going around doesn't mean we can't be close to our God. And I just pray tonight for those that feel like they're in the furnace to just take a moment to remember that there's another one in there and he bears the resemblance of the Son of God. You showed him to Nebuchadnezzar and it's a promise that he'll be there with us when we are in those trials. And so, Lord, I just ask tonight that you would touch Benjamin, touch my lips, Lord, that we would speak uh, appropriately um, in a way that would bring a smile to your face and would be acceptable into your ears. Lord, I just ask tonight that those uh, people in there that have contemplated, well, I don't know if I should partake maybe in the the Day of Atonement, to to trust God, to trust His Word. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just guide us through at the end of this program, that we would just give you the glory and honor and everything, because I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Brother Benjamin, you've seen... (laughs) You know, the Day of Atonement's coming, and, uh, well, I'll tell you, it just seems like just a few days ago you were on the program, and uh, already we've had another major shift uh, in our society. In just a week, things seem to get more and more radical. What a time to take time out to get alone with God to get on the Day of Atonement coming up. Oh, amen. The Day of Atonement, what a blessed day, and it's... And I wish we had several programs to explore the history and and the significance of of this day. But in essence, the the feast of trumpets, which is Rosh Hashanah, the, the Rosh meaning the chief Shanah, the chief day of the year, the head of the year. The whole purpose of the feast of trumpets is to announce to the people that the Day of Atonement is about to come. The whole reason the Feast of Trumpets even means anything is it's pointing us, it's announcing that the Day of Atonement is ten days off 
and it is nigh time for us to prepare our hearts. And, and the Day of Atonement was the one day that God had decreed that the high priest would come and enter the Holy of Holies, actually appear before God on behalf of all of the people. And it was the day where if Israel repented, if they diligently searched their hearts, and they honestly and truthfully came before the Lord and repented of their sins and had a change of heart and, and wanted to change their ways. It was the day that the Lord would forgive everything, cleanse the people utterly, and the, the high priest would appear. He would literally... Actually, they would come into the temple with, uh, with two goats, one goat that would be slain and its blood poured out, its body burned utterly in the fire and the other goat was the scapegoat and the high priest would put his hand on the head of each goat and, and upon one goat the sins of the people would be transferred and symbolically of course and the other goat the scapegoat a red ribbon would be tied around its neck and it would be released it would be allowed to escape and it's a picture of the remnant and the reason for the red ribbon is so no one would kill that goat and it was allowed to, to, to go free. And its life, its, its life was preserved and protected by commandment of the Lord. The reason for the red ribbon is that no man would ever slay that goat. And so that represented us escaping our sin because someone else took the penalty. Someone else stood in the gap. It was their blood spilled. Their life was taken. And the Day of Atonement is the day that we, as a people, and we individually, are commanded to basically afflict ourselves. We are commanded to fast and to do no work. The Day of Atonement is a Sabbath day. We are to do no work. We are to set our hearts, set our house before the Lord, and we are to wait upon God and the tradition is to fast not only from food, but also from water. And Frank, as you were, we were talking earlier today, when you're fasting from both food and water, you're not hungry. Because the, the water fast part is it, it's front no. and center. Amen. Folks, if you're worried about, I can't go without food and water for a day, you can. Trust me, you can. That's the little secret about the Day of Atonement. When you don't drink water, you actually don't even get hungry on that fast. So no, don't, don't get worried. You can make it. Yeah, you really can. And, you know, it's, it's actually such a blessing. I mean, I always look forward to the Day of Atonement. And the day begins, well, tomorrow night at sundown. is the, the evening of Yom Kippur. And it continues until the the sun goes down on Saturday night in that 24-hour period from sundown Friday evening to sundown Saturday is, is the Day of Atonement. And, and those who would observe the feast day, and it is a feast, and that word translates to ma'adim, which means an appointed time. Um, you know, we'll be seeking the Lord in prayer some will gather in church, some will gather in Messianic congregations. 
all will fast and pray before the Lord that our sins would be forgiven and that we could be made clean. And the whole purpose of the, the massacre of the, the goat that is sacrificed is that we could see the price with our own eyes that would be paid, the blood and the death that had to come because of the sin that was in and, and on all of us. And that, you know, seeing the tremendous penalty that sin requires, someone had to pay. We didn't get a, a walk. We didn't get a free, you know, pass out of jail. Jesus took this penalty for us. We're the scapegoat, and he, we're the ones that escaped. The Lord tied a ribbon around us in the Spirit, and we will live forever because of his love and his mercy. But, you know, it's, it's an awesome, awesome testimony. And uh, the commandment comes out of Leviticus 16, verse 29. This shall be a statute forever unto you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all. Whether it be one of your own country or a stranger that surge, sojourns among you, on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and you shall afflict your souls by statute, by the commandment of the Lord forever. And this shall be an everlasting statute, an everlasting commandment unto you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all of their sins once a year, one day a year. The people did as the Lord had commanded. Now some of the ancients teach that this tenth day of the seventh month is actually the day in which Adam and Eve ate the fruit. And there's no evidence of that. But it's entirely possible that that is correct and, and that the day that God appointed for the atonement of sin was the very same day that sin had begun. Sin entered the human DNA on this day. And that you know, that's a pretty powerful statement right there. For that reason, this is the one day a year we are commanded to fast. You know, now I know, Frank, you know, I've, I've heard similar arguments. People, because I teach on fasting quite often, and, you know, people will tell me, well, I, you know, I can't fast. I'm hypoglycemic, or I'm this, or I'm that. And, well, you know, it's really between you and the Lord. You don't answer to me, and you don't answer to Frank. But it's really kind of foolish, you know, if we think we can't do the things God commanded. You know, it's and there are very types of fast. Yom Kippur is a, is the total fast in the eyes of most. But in any event, it's a day to refrain from bodily pleasures, from the pleasures of the flesh. It's a day to turn off all the things of Babylon, and to humble ourselves and to search our hearts and to repent of our sins and, and to also fast from food. Now, the sick and children are exempt according to the teaching of the elders. And um, you know, the, the babies don't fast, okay? People that are sick don't fast, all right? God, the Lord is a God of wisdom, right? And everything he does is full of wisdom. But, but if you're a healthy, able-bodied adult and you name the name of Jesus then, you know, don't let Satan rip you off um, on the tremendous blessings that occur on Yom Kippur. 
on the great and awesome day. And, you know, lastly, um, Yom Kippur is also the day in which, in the year of Jubilee, the, the year of Jubilee that would be coming, um, they blow a trumpet on Yom Kippur. Now, the, the trumpets are blown on the first day of the seventh month. Now, some people may be confused. Why is Rosh Hashanah considered New Year's Day? Well, the seventh month on the spiritual calendar is the first month of the civil calendar. They're exactly opposite. And so Nisan, which is the month in which Passover is first observed on the 14th day, Nisan is the first of the month on the spiritual calendar. And the spring feasts commence immediately. The month of Tishri, which is the seventh month on the spiritual calendar, is the first month of the civil or the agricultural calendar. And the fall feast days occur in the seventh month. And on the day of trumpets, we, the trumpet announces the coming of Yom Kippur, the coming of the high holy days, and the the beginning of the ten days of on, which we are all supposed to be searching our hearts right now, taking an inventory of our spiritual condition, and repenting and doing the, the, the works of repentance that are necessary, that we could restore fellowship with the Lord. And so that's the purpose of these ten days, and so that on Yom Kippur, we could adequately and thoroughly repent and you know, I would say that that's about the most important thing you could be doing right now. Now, in the case of a year of Jubilee, the Israelites would also blow a trumpet on Yom Kippur. And that trumpet sounded um, at the close of the Day of Atonement. It was to announce the coming year of Jubilee in which all deaths would be forgiven among all of the people, and in which God had appointed restoration for the nation. And so this day that is coming, it's the awesome day. It's the holy day of the entire year. Now, some people teach that these feast days don't matter to us, and, you know, we can just simply disregard them. Most Christians are for the most part, really not even aware of the biblical feast days. And, you know, as a result, they simply miss out. You know, Satan has stolen the, the biblical feasts, which are the feasts of the Lord. They're not Jewish feasts, you guys. These are God's feast days. Now, the Lord is observing these days. Even if he's the only one that remembers, he's not forgetting that this Saturday is Yom Kippur. Now, there is a scripture in Zechariah, chapter 8, that deals with the, the feast days, and particularly the fast days. And, you know, Zechariah eight seventeen, or pardon me, verse 19, uh, says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month and the fifth, and the fast of the seventh month shall be to the house of Judah a, both joy and gladness and a cheerful feast, therefore love the truth. And peace. Now, I've had Christian pastors tell me that they've interpreted this verse to mean that we should, feed, we should fast for joy and we should go out and party on Yom Kippur. 
that it should be a feast day, not a fasting day. Well, that word in the English that reads that it will be a cheerful feast, in the Hebrew, the word is modim, and it means a cheerful holy day. What this scripture is saying is the remnant of God are going to look at the Day of Atonement and an opportunity to fast and pray to seek the Lord. They're going to be filled with joy. They're going to be filled with gladness. They're going to be cheerful. They're going to be rejoicing in the fact that this is the day. I mean, if you want to find the Lord, you guys, you know, some of you guys are really struggling and don't feel connected. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people are, a lot of people are searching. A lot of people are in a panic right now because they don't feel close enough to God. And for many, many souls, the heavens appear as brass right now. Many, many people are finding it hard to pray. People are finding it hard to fast and pray. People are finding tremendous hindrance in the Spirit. And that's the reality of what's going on today. And, you know, for the remnant among us who are desperate to find the Lord, the fact that Yom Kippur is two days away, even only a day away from the sundown of this evening, that's a reason for joy, brothers and sisters. That's a reason to feel encouraged. There's a day coming. You want to meet the Lord, you can, you can find Him on Saturday. You set your heart to, seek, to search for your God. You're going to find the Lord Saturday. But you've got to afflict yourself. Why is that? You know, why did God say we need to fast and pray? Right? I mean, what's up with that? Why can't we just be at, you know, in and out burger? Why can't we just be constantly feeding the flesh? Why does the flesh have to die in order for the spirit to rise? Why do we need to pick up a cross anyway? Why do we need to deny ourselves, deny our flesh? Why do we need to recognize that in the death of Jesus, our old na- God was putting to death our old nature. And why is fasting part of that process? You know, even as the scapegoat on Yom Kippur was being slaughtered, and the blood was being poured out at the temple, and the body of this animal was being burned in the fire, all of Israel was, was afflicted in fasting. And, you know, if you do fast from the food and the water, which I personally love, by, by Saturday afternoon, you know, as the sun is long in the sky, you'll know what it means to not have had any water for 24 hours. You don't understand the meaning of the word affliction. But you know what? If you're trying to connect with the Lord, you're going to be rejoicing. You know, you get in your prayer closet and you praise God for the fact that this light affliction that the Lord has asked us to bear was nothing compared to the, the absolute torture that he endured when he stood in the gap on Passover. And, you know, aside from Passover being on the 14th day and this being on the 10th, they're exactly the opposite time of the year. You know, on the other side of the year, in the entrance into spring, we have the Passover of, of the Lord. And now here we are. So we begin the days of fall. We have the great day of atonement in which we recognize the tremendous price that was paid for us. But, you know, when Jesus was here ministering, 
his disciples did not fast. Now, the Lord himself, he fasted and prayed often. And he spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting before he even began his ministry. And fasting was very much part of the ministry and part of the discipline of our Lord. And it's an example unto us. And, you know, I always, you know, one of the things I always say in terms of, you know, whatever God asks us to do, and how, in my opinion, if it was good enough for the Lord, then it's good enough for me, right? I mean, if Jesus would do it, what are we going to say? We're not going to do it. You know? He's the master. He's the shepherd. We're supposed to follow him. And so fasting was very much a, a part of his discipleship. But the Pharisees accused Jesus, particularly of regarding his disciples. In Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 14, we read, um, the disciples of John came to Jesus and they said, you know, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples don't fast at all? You know, it's a serious question, you know, legitimate question. And the Lord answered. You know, anytime you ask a legitimate, you know, an honest question of the Lord, you get a true answer from the Lord. You don't get a rebuke. But isn't it interesting that the Pharisees, they're fasting too. i got news for you guys. The Satanists fast every week. Yeah, and you know what they do when they're fasting? They're doing witchcraft against us. And fasting makes it more powerful. You didn't know the enemy fasted and prayed against you? Well, now you know. You're in an actual war that's occurring in the spirit world. And, you know, it's, you know, it's high time that we wake up and we recognize the weapons of the warfare. You know, as, as Paul said, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices against us. You know, unfortunately, you know, this generation... We didn't get trained very well in spiritual warfare. And, you know, Frank, we should do a spiritual warfare show at some point, really, you know, give some practical instruction in in the ways of spiritual warfare to the people because it's something that's really sadly lacking, and it's really critical because the war is actually real. It's not a metaphor. It's not just this picture. Uh, it's, It's a reality. But back to the text, you know, Jesus answering the disciples of John he said unto them, Can the children of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? This is a wedding party. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from us. And then shall they fast. So, you know, what was Jesus saying? He's telling the disciples of John the Baptist, you know, as long as I'm with my disciples, I'm, I'm bridegroom. This is a wedding party. I'm here to, to redeem and deliver and save my bride. It's not right for my disciples to be fasting at this time. But when I'm taken away from them, then every true disciple of mine will learn to fast and pray. So where are we on that list? You know, I know Christians, it utterly amazes me, and I'm not, brothers and sisters, I'm not throwing rocks. I'm, I'm trying to help you, okay? I'm not trying to convict you or or tear anybody down but um you know i've talked with a number of believers and asked them you know have you ever fasted and prayed how often do you fast and pray and i'm telling you quite frequently i'm hearing christians tell me they've never fasted even a day which is you know even one meal you know 
I had a I had a friend, a good friend that would fast for a meal. Um, you know, she would fast one meal, you know, every every day or once a week. She'd fast a meal a day, and you know, and that's great. I I called it her baby fast. But you know, hey, it's a start, right? I mean, better than zero. But here, the Lord said, all of my my true disciples are going to fast. You know, when when God gets upset and He's rebuking for um, improper fasting. He says, you know, you fast for strife and debate. The interesting thing is, is that, folks, the reason that anybody that knows about fasting knows that when you fast, your mind becomes clear. So if you're going into a debate with somebody or you're going into something, fasting is the perfect remedy. And God's saying you're using it for the wrong reasons because fasting is an amazing tool to clear the mind. That's why God loves us to fast because it empties us out. It cleanses the mind. And these people were doing it in correctly. They were just simply getting the physical benefit, but no spiritual reward. And, and so anybody who knows about fasting knows what it does to the brain. It just absolutely cleans you out and gives you clarity. Amen, brother. And, you know, the, the other thing is I, it humbles you. I mean, it takes you down. You know, this Sin disease that we all have. And our flesh is, you know, it has been corrupted by this sin nature. And God doesn't even have a redemption plan for your flesh, you guys. There's no redemption. He's not saving the flesh. Thank God it's just a tent and we're going to get rid of it at some point. But right now we're you know, part of this flesh nature, and, and that's why, you know, the affliction is so necessary, because we are so prone to pride. We are so prone to self-deception. We are so prone to all of these basically stinking thinking, you know, and I mean, look at the church of Laodicea, right? They're rich, they're, they're you know, in need of nothing, they're full of themselves, and they're full of hot air at best. Today, really, it's, they're probably full of demons, too. And yet, they're in their own eyes, they're, they're fine. You know, as, as we fast and we, you know, fasting is really volunteering for affliction time. It is. And, you know, it's the light affliction, I mean... Now, I'm not saying it's not hard. There's a tremendous resistance in the spirit. And, you know, when I would do um, fast, and sometimes your flesh, you know, your body will start, you know, arguing with you about eating, right? You know, my flesh would be yelling at me about some stupid cracker with peanut butter or whatever. Um, I would literally tell my flesh to shut up. I would command it to get back in the grave. You died with Jesus. You're a dead man. I'm born again. I have a new life in me. I command you to shut up and get back in the grave. I don't want to hear from you again. And the flesh obeys. It does shut up. It's absolutely amazing. And, you know, you can get past that third day, for those of you that are have, you know, fasted for any length of time, that's the point where your body stops being hungry. And, Frank, as you mentioned, your vision and your mind becomes really clear. And, you know, past that point, any, um, 
you know, lustful thoughts for food is really a spirit of gluttony you need to cast out of your life. Um, which, you know, once you're into that fasting and prayer mode, will be very easy for you to do, too. But in any event, this is a great day to start fasting if you haven't. And, you know, this is a time... I have to wonder, a lot of people are are saying that this year may be a jubilee year. Um, now, if you do the research, you'll find that there is no agreement on which year is the jubilee. And a lot of experts have differing opinions because the calendar got confused and nobody's quite sure. There's even disagreement about what year it is on the biblical calendar. Uh, some say it's 5778. Other scholars um, are quite adamant that there's 240 years that are missing from the Babylonian captivity, that the calendar is off by 240 years, and it's really the year 6018, and that we're really entering, you know, we're, we're actually in the seventh millennium, we're in the day of the Lord, um, God just hasn't begun to move in his judgment yet. Or, let's say, he hasn't moved in his judgment in such a profound way that it's become obvious to everyone that the day of the Lord has begun. You know, we can be so rigid in our thinking that everything has to be according to our understanding. And, you know, it's silly of us because it rarely is the same as our thinking, right? I mean, look at everything Jesus has done. It's always something different than what the disciples were thinking. His coming was different than the, than the religious leaders were thought. The second coming is going to be different than all the so-called prophecy experts most of whom think the church is about to disappear, right? I mean, they, they thought the rapture was on the Feast of Trumpets because of the sign in the heavens. Well, anyway, we don't want to get into that, but this Day of Atonement is a great opportunity to seek the Lord. And as I mentioned, if this is a year of Jubilee, then for sure you want to show up on this Day of Atonement with a mindset of I'm going to seek the Lord, and, and with a mindset that, you know, we're going to do whatever, you know, whatever we have to do. You know, in Zechariah verse 8, pardon me, chapter 8, verse 20, you know, this is a prophecy of, of our time. Let me, let me back up. Uh, Zechariah 8, verses 1. I'll start and, and read from Zechariah 8. I'm going to read some verses, starting with one. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion. I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I'm jealous for her with great fury. For thus saith the Lord, I'm returning to Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall become a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts shall be called the holy mountain. In verse 6, thus says the Lord, If it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant in those days, should it be marvelous in my eyes as well, saith the Lord? And brothers and sisters, it's going to be our eyes that see the fulfillment of these things. And that marvelous, I mean, it's going to be incredible. We will be blown away by what the Lord's about to do in the remnant. But the Lord is saying, you know, should it be marvelous in my eyes? And the answer is no. The Lord is merely fulfilling his word where he made promises to the remnant of his people. And he said thus, in verse 7, he says, Behold, I will save my people. 
I will save my people. That's, I heard him say pretty much the same thing. I will protect that which is mine, he told me. And everything else will be destroyed. And, you know, that's pretty simple. That which belongs to the Lord will be protected. Now, if you're born-again Christian, your spirit has been redeemed. You belong to the Lord. Your soul belongs to the Lord. But does your flesh belong to the Lord? Or has your flesh been defiled by the things you've walked in and the, the times and the places that you've been a part of? Have the defilements come upon your flesh such that your spirit's crying out for deliverance? Is your flesh, is your body, is your temple been sanctified? That's what the fasting is about. That's what the, the time of self-affliction is about. That we might cleanse our temples. That our bodies could become holy unto the Lord. That we could be sanctified. We're already justified by the, our faith in Jesus and the fact that we've received his salvation. We've been born again. Our spirit man is renewed and sealed unto the eternal day. We're now the Lord's possession, but now begins the sanctification process. And sadly, this last generation has really fallen on its face in terms of sanctification. And so that's the purpose for the prayers and the fasting, that we could start again this sanctification. But the Lord says in Zechariah 8, I will save my people, I'll bring them. And they're going to dwell in Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I'll be their God. Verse 9, thus says the Lord, let your hands be strong. You who hear in those days the words spoken by the mouth of these prophets, who, were, who walked in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. That's speaking to us, you guys. We're the people hearing these words in the days in which they are going to be fulfilled. And then the scripture goes on in Zechariah 8, verse 10. For behold, these days, in those days when the foundation was being laid, there was no hire for man. There were no jobs. Economy destroyed. No hire for beast. The economy was ruined. Neither was there any peace to him who went out or came in because of the affliction in the land. For I set all men, everyone against his neighbor. You know, folks, that's what's coming. You want a picture of the Great Tribulation? There'll be no peace. There'll be no hire for man or beast. There'll be nothing but affliction, whether you go in or go out. And the Lord's about to set everyone against his neighbor, with the exception of his remnant, whose lives are holy unto him. Now, it's God's ways are different than our ways. You know, we choose Novocaine when we go to the dentist. We take painkillers when God brings affliction. You know, and in many ways, you know, the Scripture tells us Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. But in our generation, we learn to go to the pharmacy and sidestep the affliction. And so is it surprising that our spiritual maturity is, well, the Lord said it best, I think, when he said to me, my people are, what was it he said? My people are 
immature in their faith, ignorant in, in, in my word, and yet arrogant in their pride. That's it. My people are immature. Well, because we haven't suffered anything. Jesus learns through the things he suffered, and we take Excedrin or Tylenol or, you know, Novocaine. And we don't fast and pray. We just keep feeding the flesh. And so we haven't matured. We're immature in our faith. Well, listen, the days of vengeance are coming. It's time to grow up. You've got the best opportunity you could ever have on Saturday, the Day of Atonement. And, you know, if you look at the history of the nation and, the, you know, the most powerful moves of God, I mean, you know, Let's look at some of the greatest things the Lord did through the history of the kingdom. Well, the, you know, clearly the first promised son, Isaac, was, was massive. The birth of, of Joseph and, and the twelve sons. You know, the birth of Samuel, one of the greatest prophets. Ruth, who, who became the, the grandmother, if you will, of David's father. Now, Elizabeth, who was stricken in years, and finally God visited her, and, and her son's name was John the Baptist. In each of these occasions, God brought forth a man who changed the nation, and another man is about to be born. The man-child is about to be born. But if you look at the lives through which God brought these promised sons into the earth, it was all women. And, and these were women who were desperate. You know, in, the, in times of antiquity, the people viewed your life, you know, if you were rich and you had a lot of children, the favor of God was on you and you were considered blessed of the Lord. But if you were poor or if you had no children, that was a clear sign of the disfavor from heaven. Clearly the Lord was not pleased with Sarah. The Lord was not happy with Rachel. The Lord opposed Hannah. The Lord was against Ruth. That was the mindset of the people. And they were these women who were barren. They were looked down upon. They were gossiped about. When they would go to the well or when they would go to the market, the other women would talk. There she is. She's still been cursed. She still doesn't have a child. And this was a shame unto these women. And if you read their stories, you know, Rachel was crying out, give me children or I die. You know, if you look at Hannah, you know, she got to the point where she was willing to do anything. God brought these women to the very end of themselves to where they were ready to surrender all to the Lord. And through their prayers, and through their vows, and through their lives being poured out, came forth the greatest men of God in all of Holy Scripture. And those men were birthed by women who had been brought to the end of themselves and prayed those boys into this world with the anointing that came upon them. Samuel's anointing had its origin in Hannah's prayer. The greatest prophet in the history of the nation came from a handmaiden who herself felt disgraced and humiliated and was brought to the end of herself. Brothers and sisters, God can bring you to the end of yourself. Matter of fact, He's going to. <laughs> yeah, the Lord has a wonderful plan for your life. He's going to kill your flesh. 
that's why I'll die. He's going to bring you to the end of yourself so you could be finally transformed into the image of Jesus. He's going to break us of our self-will and of our pride and of our rebellion. And he's going to bring us to the place of absolute humility so he could finally embrace us in his arms because he can only know the proud from far off. So the hard things that the Lord has to do in our lives, God does because he loves us. Laodicean Christianity doesn't understand anything about that. They think it's all about, you know, the prosperity thing and having the big Mercedes or, you know, whatever, you know. But they're wretched, blind, and naked spiritually, and they're going to get their comeuppance, if you will. They're going to get their day of affliction when they're taken off to the FEMA camps. And they're not coming out. And they're going to think they went to hell before they finally repent and surrender all. And at that point, God will deliver them as well from their sin and their arrogance and their attitude. But the Lord said, and it is so true, my people are immature in their faith. They are ignorant in my word and yet they are arrogant in their pride. But I will empty them out. Brothers and sisters, fasting in prayer is volunteering for the process. It is. You are volunteering for affliction. You are willingly saying, God, I'm going to empty myself out. I'm going to afflict my flesh. I am going to humble myself. I'm going to search my heart. I'm going to set aside time. I'm going to call upon your name. I'm going to do everything that I know that you told me to do. And I'm not going to stop until I hear from you. And, you know, the Lord responds to that. If your heart is true. Now, you know, if we're playing a game where we honor God with our lips, but, you know, our heart is still wanting to get back to our favorite sin, well, then you won't find the Lord. You don't find the Lord until you seek Him with all of your heart. And that's the reason for the affliction that is coming, you know. Mm. In, the, in the time of affliction, which is the Great Tribulation, which is probably going to start... I mean, the war with Korea is not far off, you guys, right? I mean, everybody sees this now, you know. Mm. Twenty years ago, when I started preaching the day of the Lord was coming on this generation, a lot of people thought I was crazy, right? Sure they did. Well, to not see this today, you have to be crazy. You got to be willing. Benjamin, to we got we got about eight minutes left. Well, praise God, brother. Brother, this you know, has been a powerful show. Powerful man, this word. If this is a timely word to fast and pray, and what a better day than the day of atonement oh, to get and, started. You know, look. There's a difference in the kingdom of God in the natural world between men and women. Yeah, there's a difference, okay? And God has given a unique responsibility to women that in many ways is the most important responsibility because it's the love and the nurture of the family. And the men also have a unique responsibility. But if you look at, now, of course, in the kingdom that's coming, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, and male and female, we're all going to be, if you will, the same sons or daughters of God in eternity that's coming, right? 
But today we have different roles. But if you look at the impact of the women that I mentioned, in many ways you, you, it's very, very true that the prayers of these women, the prayer of Hannah, the prayer of Elizabeth who was stricken, who gave, she gave birth to John the Baptist already, the prayer of Ruth who married, she married um, my Boaz, who bore, she bore Obed, who begat Jesse, who begat King David. I mean, th- this, this is incredible. And these are women who brought to the end of themselves and who through prayer brought into the genealogy of Israel sons and grandsons who were the greatest men of God in history. They came forth covered in the prayers of their mothers. And, uh, you know, I remember when I, when I was young and I was telling my mom that, you know, the Lord had spoken audibly to me, and she really had a hard time with that. And she told me, you know, I'm just having a hard time understanding that God would be speaking audibly to my son. And I said, Mom, think about it for a minute. You pray three times a day, morning, in the middle of the afternoon, and in the evening. My mom would go into her prayer closet and pray for an hour, three times a day. I mean, whose son would he talk to? if not the son of a, of a woman of God who's been faithful to the Lord. My grandmother and my, and my mother were both incredible godly women. And so, you know, I speak to the women and to, who are mothers and to the men who are fathers and grandfathers. Our prayers cover our children, and they cover our children's children. And Listen, it's, it's going to be life and death at this point, my friends. I mean, I think if you've been listening for a while, you know there's some real trouble coming. But there is a sanctuary. There is a place of safety, but we're not getting in with our sin. And um, so I would encourage everybody, you know, seek the Lord, and uh, thank you for letting me share, Frank. Amen. Folks, this has been a a seriously powerful word, and I want to encourage you um, not only just to get started this uh, Saturday on the Day of Atonement, but to let this become a lifestyle you know, Isaiah 58 is probably the, one of the most, uh, if not the most, <laughs> arguably the most powerful promise of sin-breaking in the entire Bible. When God says, if you'll fast my way, if you'll do it his way, he says, he will break every yoke. So, Benjamin, when I read that, I, I have to say to myself, there's no sin that God can't break off of us. There's nothing that we cannot be delivered from. Because God said, I can break every yoke. And if he says it, you better believe he can do it. So, folks, you, the mothers, I want to say thank God bless the mothers out there and the grandmothers. I'll tell you what, grandmothers' prayers, it's like, I mean, it wreaks havoc on the kingdom of of the devil. I mean, it just rips his kingdom apart. Because grandmothers' prayers, I mean, it's like they got a special path right to the throne of God. And, and I just want to thank you for all the mothers and grandmothers that have been there and all the fathers. 
uh, thank you to my friends. We were just out this past weekend, all the guys and their sons who are teaching their children about the Lord and His soon coming, that are walking in the right ways. And, and, and all of us guys are not perfect, but we're by God's grace, we're pushing through to raise our children up to know who the Lord is. And we start by being men of God, by surrendering ourselves unto the Lord, giving it up to Him. Our life is not our own. We're put on this earth that we can serve the Lord and we can serve others, and especially our families and our children. So, folks, I just want to say God bless. Thank you, Benjamin, for taking time out to come and share about the Day of Atonement. Um, brother, just may God bless you. Uh, let's pray this weekend on Saturday together, brother. And um, right. everybody that's out there, man, find somebody to pray with. Find someone to share. And if you can't, you know what? That's okay. You've got God to pray with. And he will be there with you. And so praise the Lord. And with everybody, just keep your heads up. Keep fighting. You know, get on your knees. I say it over and over again. The quickest, the shortest distance between you and the solution to your problems is simply the distance between your knees and the floor. So this is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin from the Remnant Call saying good night, everybody. And Shalom.